and we have a bunch of questions. Here's the first one. Why did Paul go to the temple in Acts chapter 21, verse 26, given that he is under the new covenant? That's a very good question, isn't it? Uh, Well, we know that when Jesus died, the old system of worship was completely transformed. So no longer do we have a high priest to stand between us and God because now Jesus does the job. And no longer do we need a special kind of sacrifice because Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice. And no longer is there need for a temple to meet God in because now Jesus is the place where we meet God. So all these things are now fulfilled, which means that the temple and the high priest and the sacrifices are in a sense transformed and made redundant. So this person's asking, why in the heck would Paul, who kind of gets this stuff, go to Jerusalem and get into some of the Jewish stuff, like the Old Testament sort of stuff. Well, it seems to me that in this transition period, those who were born Jews still did some of their Jewish kind of stuff to stay connected to those who they, who they were in fellowship with. Many of the Jews became followers of Jesus, and they were sort of what we would call today Messianic Jews. Uh, there are some people who will be born as Jews and have a really Jewish kind of culture to them and do a lot of the Jewish things, bar mitzvah and stuff like that, and yet they're followers of Jesus as Messiah. And so I think what we see here is that Paul was able to be so flexible that he'd hang out and do some of the kind of traditional Old Testament things, even though that he knew very clearly that, that the essence of what was fulfilled was all done through Christ. I think that's the best way to understand this. Uh, And also when we saw uh, saw, uh, Acts chapter 15 and they had that big powwow, the Council of Jerusalem, to work out how the whole two things fit together, the the Jewish thing and the Gentile thing, it seemed that they were still having a little bit of the Old Testament sort of stuff in that transition period, even though it was made redundant by Jesus. Bit of a technical question, but thank you for that one. Question two, how can we prepare ourselves for the second coming of Christ? Well, we know Jesus is coming back very, very soon, any day now, and that's what we're waiting for. Uh, The way that we all individually need to prepare ourselves for the second coming of Christ is to make sure that we're friends with Christ before he comes back. How do we do that? Well, it's remarkably simple, and most of you in this room have already done it, and that is we just come to Jesus and we say, I'm sorry that I've been running the world as though I'm the king, and I now want you to be my king. And when you do that, you go from being an enemy of Christ to a friend of Christ. It's that simple. And that is the best preparation you can possibly, it's the only preparation really you can do for the coming of Christ. Question three, does it hurt God when we deliberately hurt ourselves? Well, there are times when we read in the Bible that God is affected by what we do. Now, one of the obvious places was that at the time just before the flood when God punished the earth for the way that they'd snubbed their noses at him in such a big way. We we read in the Bible that God God was actually grieved by the people. In some sort of way, it broke his heart to see that they had been born under Adam and Eve and then they just everything had gone terribly bad. He was grieved by that. And we see other times when God is affected by our prayers, and he's affected by what we do. And I think it's fair to say that, that he, he does, if, if he is going to genuinely love us, for example, he needs to have some sort of emotion and be affected by us. Not to say that that is going to sway him so that he no longer acts wisely and justly and in accord with his great purpose for the world. 
But I think it is right to realise that our sin does grieve him. And that is the case also when we deliberately hurt ourselves. Question four, an extraordinarily timely question. If God answered our prayers for no fires in the Illawarra, does that mean he didn't answer the prayers in the fire-affected areas? You know, over the last couple of weeks I've been saying, we keep praying that God would spare the Illawarra from fires because that's what we want. I mean, God says, so what do you want? Well, it's a big, it's a big prayer. Well, tell me what you want. Big prayers, little prayers. You want to carve space when you go to Stockland. I can answer those prayers too. They, 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 they're pretty miraculous as well this time of the year. But I can answer prayers, big and little, and we're praying that God would spare the Illawarra from fires. And we've had all these catastrophic days, and there hasn't been a fire. Turns out right now as we speak, there's a watch and act up at Wild Meadow, but no worries. So it's, it is around. We know that. Uh, we prayed and God answered. Did he not answer in other areas? No. Uh, you see, we need to realise that, that God hears our prayers and there will be times when he will say, yes, I'm going to answer that prayer exactly how you, how you ask it. And there are other times he'll say, I know that's what you want, but it's not what I'm going to do because I know things better and you need to trust me. And there are other times we'll ask for things and it'll seem like nothing's happened and God, it's because God says, I'm going to answer that, but not for a while. So we need to trust that when we ask God for things, he hears us and he will answer us as is best according to our needs and to his glory. Uh, to his great glory, we've been spared from bushfires down here for now. That may not continue to be the case. But we should pray for those things. It's not like, well, God, God's not got no control over the weather. It turns out he does. So we talk to him about those things. And so we keep praying, knowing that he is good and sovereign. Three to come. Question five. Is it a sin to use plastic because it is wrecking God's environment? God wants us to care for the world he's given us, and that means that we as Christians need to care for the environment. But we, we can't just trash the place. God said, I want you to look after the joint. Um, we also need to realise that people are more important than animals and plants. Uh, God has said that humans are at the centre of the universe and the greatest human of all, of course, is Jesus, who is the greatest. But in all of this, if using plastic means we care for humans, then in some situations it's the right thing to do. So it might be that plastic leads us to um, protect infection or disease or things like that. Uh, it may be the right thing to do. And if that's, the, if that's the case, that's okay. If it means somehow that using plastic means we can tell more people about how to be ready for the coming of Jesus, then use plastic. But also be wise, as I've said, because we need to look after this place. Two to come. How do we get the balance right between busyness and rest? Uh, it is hard to do that. We're told in the Bible a few things. We're told in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians 4, don't be lazy. Get a job if you can. You know, Don't be a burden on others. Don't just sit around and sit around. At the same time, God has given us, in the Old Testament, he gave his people a Sabbath. He says, one day a week, have a break. It's a good thing to do that. It shows that you trust me. It shows that you realize you are not God. And what's more, it's good for you. And there's also other principles to rest bits of the land as well. Um, the New Testament, Jesus came and he transformed the Sabbath. And the, the Sabbath, I think, looks different today as it did in the Old Testament. But still, it's a principle that applies. Uh, that it is good for us to rest. Because I, I take it that when I rest, I'm saying to God, you're God. 
Isn't it funny that God made us so that we can't really function unless we spend a third of our life sleeping? Really? Why would God do that? I think it's because it's good for us to realize he's in control. And that even when we're sleeping, it turns out he's still running stuff. And so it's good for us to have a break and have some time off. So don't be a bludger and don't be a workaholic and somehow get it right in the middle. How do you know if that's the case? Maybe ask the people closest to you. And uh, it might be, you know, why don't you get out of bed before 10 o'clock? I know you're on school holidays. Oh, no, that's a scenario that's you know, hypothetical. Um, or it might be uh, that, uh, you know, why do I never see you? You're never at home, all that kind of thing. Uh, but we want to honour God and love others. Question seven, the final one. Is it bad to miss a day of church occasionally to attend a party? Well, if you miss church occasionally, maybe on a Saturday night, why don't you come in the morning on Sunday? We've got a great service on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. And if you normally come at 9 o'clock in the morning and you've got something on Sunday, why don't you come on the Saturday night? Um, the bottom line is we don't go to church in order to win God's favour. You know, sometimes I'll say to people, listen, um, if you were to die tonight and stand before Jesus and he says, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And if, you, and if they say, oh, it's because I regularly went to church, I'd say, fail. It's not the answer. It's not like God says, show me the attendance roles and I'll work out whether you can be in my heaven or not. It doesn't work that way. Uh, we are friends. We, we are going to heaven because we trust in Jesus as Lord. But I tell you what, when you're obsessed by Jesus, you, you, you're going to be the kind of people who you just... You just can't be kept away from this place. You just want to hang out with God's people and sing happy, happy day and have a sausage together and, and sing prayers to God and hear him speak by his spirit through the word. Almost like, I just wish I was there. It's like when you, you're not at a party and everybody else is and you hear all of the laughter or you see everybody on Facebook cheering and you're not there. You think, mm -hmm. it should be like that with church. It's like, oh, I wish I was at church. That's why it's okay to occasionally miss church to attend a party. But why would you want to do it too often? Good questions. Really, really good questions. Like always, you make me think, and I hope it helps you think Christianly about the world as well.